welcome to Beyond Blathers, the podcast where we dive deeper into the insects, fish, and fossils you can find in Animal Crossing New Horizons. I'm Sophia Osborne. And I'm Olivia DeBercier. And in case you missed it, we've launched our new merch store over on Etsy. We've got stickers, keychains, these really cute sunfish ornaments that Olivia made, and yeah, postcards too. So if you want to support the show, Check it out at etsy.com slash shop slash beyond blathers. And also, I just wanted to preface this episode by saying if Olivia and I sound like we're dying, it's because it is so hot. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah, I feel like I did not bring enough water to sit next to me. We'll see, though. I know. If I can make it through with this like small amount of water I grabbed. I am legitimately melting. Um, anyone who's on the West Coast can probably relate. We're recording this during the unprecedented heat wave, climate change. <laughs> Fun. I'm not even on the West Coast right now, and it's still really hot. I don't know if it's like, I feel like it's normal here Yeah. in Ontario for it to be this hot in the summer. It's also so humid. I'm like, I feel like I'm in a tropical location yeah very much not but like east coast is it hits differently that way yeah it's very new i'm not used to it i'm I'm very much a dry climate kind of person Mm -hmm. well let's uh let's hurry this along so we can turn our fans back on (laughs) (laughs) jump into a lake yeah so today we're talking about the bagworm which i know nothing about it's a cool name but yeah i don't know anything about it yeah, it's that thing that, like, okay, in the game, like, if you're shaking a tree, sometimes it'll fall down and it'll be like, whoo, it'll, like, make that sound. <laughs> and it'll be, like, this little, like, brown thing that just, like, falls out of the tree. Uh, anyway, that's the bagworm. Okay, the cool. If, if that helps anyone out. Also, if you hear a bird in the background, I'm currently living with a, a parrot, so um, you might hear him saying his name or squeaking behind me. What's his name again? His name is Daedalus. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Well, (laughs) extra um, bird content for you. (laughs) Yeah, there we go. Just pretend he's like Blathers talking in the background. Yes. Okay. Speaking of Blathers, if you bring a bagworm to Blathers, he'll say, the bagworm is, in fact, not a worm at all, but a caterpillar instead. The filthy fraud uses silk and leaves to spin a cozy bag for it to hide inside, hence the name. Some find it cute the way bagworms dangle from trees, but the truth is they're gluttonous monsters. These beasts love to stuff their bug gullets full of leaves, devouring the very trees they hang upon. Wretched villains is what they are. (laughs) They're bug gullets. This is the most aggressive one I've heard. Oh god. I mean, he's also, again, he's, like, not really wrong. Like, they are major <laughs> pests in some places, so. Oh, okay. Yeah. But he's still, I mean, anyway. he's defaming them, but. Yeah, he's being really unnecessarily rude. Like, they're just doing their bests. Okay, so I guess we should probably talk about what they are, because they're not, like Blather says, a worm. They are a caterpillar that eventually becomes a moth. Uh, so it's in the order Lepidoptera, so that's the same order as butterflies and all the other moths. But to me, its moth form is like the least interesting part about it. And really, lots of bigworms never even become moths. But we'll talk more about that later. 
So there's many species of bagworm, and I love this quote from the Wikipedia page because I thought it really like summarized entomology well. It says, the bagworm family is fairly small, with only about 1,350 species described. That's so <laughs> I'm just funny. Like, that's, that's like a lot of species, but in the entomology world, they're like, mm, it's pretty small. It's not a big deal. Yeah, so anyway, now those 1,350 species are found all around the world, so it's very likely there's a species of bigworm that you could find in your neighborhood or in your yard even. And are they really found just like when you shake a tree, like they'll pop down? Is that kind of accurate? Like, it definitely could. I think, I mean, maybe if you shake a tree and you kind of notice it dangling there, and I'll talk a bit more about the, the bag of the bagworm because it's very interesting. As the bug grows, the bag is used in different ways. So once a bagworm egg hatches, the larva, which at this stage looks like kind of a regular brown caterpillar, will start using its silk to build a cocoon-like structure and begin attaching things from its surrounding to itself. So this can include lichens, twigs, leaves, conifer needles, sand or soil, basically anything that helps that cocoon blend in. It may even use its own feces as some of the underlayers of the cocoon, kind of like some little poop wallpaper. Classy. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, very nice. But yeah, despite this interesting choice of decor, the larvae will do their best to keep, you know, extra feces and junk out of their cases because they don't want fungus or mold growing inside because that could kill them. That'd be very bad. So, yeah, once it's built this, like, kind of little tube of twigs, it'll squeeze itself in and walk around with its little head and feet kind of sticking out the bottom, and it will look for food to eat. So you might just sort of see this sort of, like, small tower of, like, vegetation on a tree just kind of, like, bopping around. That's probably a bagworm. Wow. That's so cool. I, I thought it was more like a, a cocoon, like, they would hang in, but they're, this is like a like armor that they walk around in. Well, that's the thing is that's how it starts, but eventually it will become a case oh, or like okay. a cocoon. Now, depending on the species, these bagworm cases can be between one to 15 centimeters long. So they can vary. Of course, there's a lot of species and a lot of different places. So the tropics typically have larger bagworms. And my favorite of these little bagworm cases is one that looks like a miniature log cabin. Like it's got these tiny short twigs and they're all like stacked up on top of each other in like a cute little spiral pattern. And it looks like a fancy triangular cottage. Like it's so cute. We'll have to post one on the Instagram so that people can see, but it just makes me happy looking at it. Wow, that's like cottage core goals. It is. <laughs> <laughs> it's the cottage core bug. Oh. Yeah, and some of these cases are particular to different species, so some people can identify the species of bagworm just by looking at the casing. And most of the time the cases have this like round oval shape with tapered ends, but in some of the more primitive species these cases can be more flat. And when they encounter a predator, a bagworm will be able to retract into its case and close it tight like a little burrito and all just kind of like hunker down in there. It's a very useful little case. And once the larva is mature, so you were talking about sort of the the like bagworm like falling out of a tree or something. Once the larva is mature, it'll wrap some silk tightly around a branch and attach the case to hang upside down on a branch where it'll then develop into an adult, much like a chrysalis for a butterfly. Oh, okay. And I mean, Blathers mentioned that they're like eating the very tree that they live on and stuff. Is that accurate? 
Yeah, it depends on the species, but as a group, they're considered omnivores, as they'll usually eat various parts of the plant, but will on occasion eat small invertebrates that cross their path. So generally, whatever plant the larva lands on will be its food for development, like its first sort of like the first place that it arrives to as a larva. (laughs) Right. I guess that makes sense. And then what about the actual moth? What does that look like? Yeah, depending on the species, the adult male moth can end up looking a little bit like a bee. Like it's pretty chunky on the top part, lots of dark fuzz all over its body and these short triangular wings. And one in North America, the evergreen bagworm moth looks just like this. But generally, they aren't very large or like really impressive looking as adults. They're kind of bland. No offense to the bagworm moth, but like (laughs) nothing really to note there. I'm sure there's like probably one or two species that are amazing, but yeah, a lot of a lot of species out there. But for all but two genera of bagworm moths, the female will never even grow into this moth stage. They'll remain in larva form, meaning they look like larva, understandably. And in the more primitive species of bagworm moths, the females will sort of like crawl outside their bag. And during mating season, they'll emit a strong smelling pheromone and that attracts a male moth to them. Now, in the less primitive species, the females will often have vestigial legs, eyes, and even wings. So they look a lot like the larva. And for those who don't know what vestigial means, it refers to an animal who has various body parts that have just become so useless over evolutionary time that they've shrunk and are become like completely pointless or disappeared altogether. In the case of female bagworms, they basically just become like a long tube sitting in a bag emitting pheromones and waiting for a male to show up to mate. (laughs) Now, this also makes identifying female bagworm moths very difficult because they don't have very many distinguishing features. Like, they're just like like a a worm. (laughs) It's a little hard to tell what they are. Now, once the male arrives, if the female is one which remains in the case, the male will have to like poke its abdomen into the case and its abdomen will lengthen like a telescope to the other end of the case in order to mate with the female, which is really funny to me because I'm like, why doesn't it just go to the other end of the case? But <laughs> anyway, but it's really impressive. Like the male's abdomen can extend itself three times its normal length. So wow, not too bad. Evolution just said like, this is the way we're doing it. <laughs> yeah, they're like, uh... Mm, we could do it like just like the simpler way but you know what I'll just I'll just add in this cool little tidbit yeah this would be cool Make things more exciting <laughs> <sighs> yeah so in both males and the females this last stage is like the sort sort of like moth stage of their lives is purely a reproductive phase they don't even have mouths to feed during this stage so much like other moths and butterflies they're just sort of like bopping around <laughs> looking for a mate And a female will live up to two weeks and the male will only live up to one to two days. So very, very short period. Even after a female is dead, she'll continue to emit pheromones, which, as it turns out, can actually really mess with the bagworm moths that are still alive and late to the mating game. There's so many pheromones in the air that it's actually hard to find a female who's alive to mate with. So it kind of causes some issues. (laughs) Wow, that's just like all of that is so wild and I feel like it's so sad to not even get to become a moth like you just stay this like like little caterpillar thing so that you can get mated with I don't know it's a sad story yeah it's like they never like achieve their full glory yeah I mean I guess I guess we just have to appreciate the caterpillars I guess that's as, true. as being caterpillars 
I mean, some some species of big were moths. The females do become like a moth. Right. But I don't know to what degree they like move around or if they just sort of like develop the wings and just like hang out on the outside of their case, which could be possible too. I'm not super sure. Yeah. Um, but I know that at least there's two genera that do that, but still get their, their wings. Yeah. I always find it interesting when animals have like yeah, that phase at the end where they have no mouth or anything and, like, their only mission is to mate and reproduce. <laughs> They're just, like, one big reproductive organ. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, like, around. what would that be like to just... I'm sure they don't know any different or anything, but just, like, yeah, that, that I guess, instinct is so strong and, like, so selected for evolutionarily. Yeah, it's really impressive. Like that very idea of like not having to eat anymore. Like they they're at they're they have such a like defined lifespan that they're just like, "Okay, no more eating cuz we're going to die soon anyway." Yeah. So, we're almost done. Wow. It's intense. But Kate, the re- reproduction of the bagworm moth gets even weirder as it so often does with insects. So, the females in the bagworm genus Dalica can actually reproduce without a male in a process called parthenogenesis. So they can just make eggs on their own and have like little clones of themselves hatch. Even more, usually in biology, we think of clones as having very little genetic diversity because in theory, their genes will be the same as their parents. But in the case of one species of bagworm that was studied, it seems like they actually have pretty high genetic diversity. So something funky is going on. And I believe it had something to do with like they're able to sort of mix up their genes in their sort of clone babies (laughs) but it was a very like complex genetics paper and so unfortunately I don't know too much more than that but I do know that yeah they they seem to be kind of a unique case where their clones are are actually pretty genetically diverse wow but even more intense is that the females of some species of bagworm moth including that North American one I was talking about the evergreen bagworm moth which is a pest it will not actually lay the eggs instead the eggs will develop inside its body And when this female eventually dies, thousands of her larvae will hatch within her and emerge from her carcass, oftentimes eating both her and the unhatched eggs in the process, which is, like, extremely metal. Like, (laughs) they just... Oh, my god! Like, alien. Like, it just seems like a very... Like, they, they spend their whole life in their little case only to have, like, thousands of babies hatch out of them and then eat their body. And then what happens to the larvae after they hatch? So once the conditions are right, the larvae will emerge from that case and they'll release silk from their bodies and that silk will act a bit like a parachute in the wind and it'll allow them to drift away from their siblings to a plant where they can begin making their own bagworm case and, of course, eat. As Blather said, they are very gluttonous. They will eat everything. And this process of sort of releasing that silk and drifting away is called ballooning, which I think is really cute. Mm. Spiders do it too. And sometimes these winds may only bring them a short distance away, but other times storms or strong winds can bring them miles away from their original birthplace. Right. Yeah, that's like a pretty effective strategy for distributing, I guess. Yeah. So if you find one like hanging from a tree or something, is it okay to touch them or like do they have some kind of irritant that we should be concerned about? So they're pretty harmless overall in terms of like touching them. I probably would be cautious about like picking them off of trees unless you know they're a pest because you could just like end up killing it by accident. (laughs) But they're really cool to look at. 
but they can be major pests. So that's sort of their major, I guess, harm to humans thing. For instance, in South Africa, they do major damage to wattle, which is a type of crop, and to citrus trees in Florida. They also are a big problem for people with ornamental plants often. So if you have, I believe juniper is one that they like to eat, like sort of like decorative conifers can often have bagworm infestations. And so if you live in a place where bagworms are a problem, a lot of people will go and like pick them off the trees and put them like soapy water to kill them. And so, yeah, that can be a big problem. But in other places, bagworms are also great for people. So there's a number of species in Africa which are harvested as protein-rich food. And in Madagascar, they're encouraged to grow on their wattle plants in orchards that are, you know, it's just handy because you've got like your vegetable crops, but also your (laughs) like bug crops. Right. And in some places, they're also used in medicinal practices. Uh, Specifically, I found papers talking about them being used in Zambia and Madagascar to treat a number of ailments. So they can be really good. That's so interesting. And are all the species like really abundant or are there any that are have a conservation concern? As far as I could tell, there aren't any species we know of that are struggling, at least according to the IUCN. Although I have no doubt that there's probably a lot we don't know about their populations, as we do with so many insects. But there is some concern that bag moths could become a pest to plants in areas where they aren't native. So again, we're a bit more concerned, like we know more about the conservation concern they have on other species than their own conservation concern. So for instance, with climate change, places that were once too cold for bagworm moths to survive might be warm enough for the larvae to come out and feed on the plants. And if there aren't enough predators to eat them in that area and control their numbers, that could become an issue. And as certain species of bagworms move northwards, another question arises, which is, how does the species, which is like so non-mobile, like the female just stays on her tree most of her life, how does a bug like that get around and even move north? And interestingly, some papers that I found said that they've basically found undigested bagworm eggs in bird poop. So it turns out bagworm eggs are really tough. And even though they're often eaten by predators, the eggs can still be viable after digestion. So they get like pooped out somewhere far away from where they were picked up. And voila, you've got a new area for those bagworms to live. And also humans can, of course bring them around because those larvae can, one, survive a long time, and two, they can be really firmly attached to branches or vegetation. So if people are transporting trees or other vegetation, maybe for greenhouses, they could also very well be transporting bagworms. The other thing is like, if they happen to transport one of those species that can clone itself, all you need is one bagworm to be brought to a new place and voila, you've got a bagworm infestation. So it's all very interesting. You can really see why they can easily become a pest. Mm-hmm, exactly. And I mean, I, part, part of the reason I actually chose this bug for this week is right now I'm in Ontario and Ontario has a really crazy caterpillar problem. I'm actually not super sure. I believe they're gypsy moth caterpillars that are like, I can't even describe to you the number of caterpillars that are everywhere. We went out to the field site and it looks like fall because all of the trees are defoliated completely. Like all of the leaves are gone on like a huge number of trees. Like you, you can't find a single tree that hasn't been eaten at least a little bit. Even the conifer trees, um, (laughs) they're eating the conifer trees. And like, 
it's insane out there. And like, they're all over our clothes and giving us rashes. And like, we come back from the field site and like, they're in our house because of course they attach to everything. Right. And so we end up like accidentally bringing them into the house with us. Yeah, it's kind of awful, actually. Yeah, that's such a nightmare. (laughs) I don't know a huge amount about them, but yeah, if anyone is also experiencing that right now, it's not very fun. And I'm very concerned for the trees out here because I literally don't know how they're going to survive without their leaves. It's like two months into summer, so. Yeah, no, that's... It's not like the trees can just like regrow their leaves right now in the middle of summer. Maybe they can. I actually don't know that about trees. (laughs) I'm pretty sure they can't, right? That's not a thing. I don't. They have to wait till uh, next season. Yeah, I don't know, but that does sound concerning. And even in Edmonton, I think people are talking about it's like another one of those years where those green caterpillars hang from all the trees. Oh, yeah. Like if you go for a walk in the River Valley or something, it's just like, oh, they're just all over your face. Like, oof. Yeah, I don't know if, um, I don't know much about those either, like whether they're native or not. But yeah. Uh, I know these ones I'm I'm quite positive aren't um, and they have one of those cycles similar to the cicadas where they'll have like a certain number of years where there's like a normal number of them and then like a really big year where they all come out and apparently that's one of those years. Right. So yeah, it's been kind of gross. I like I can't even describe to you how many there are like as you're walking, you're like stepping on them because they're all over the ground. Wow. It's so weird. Anyway, so new fear, uh, caterpillar apocalypse. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is so interesting to me because I hadn't even heard of the bagworm and then to realize that they're such a big pest. Yeah, it's quite like, wow, all these like things that really affect our environments that I don't even know about them. Yeah, and it's interesting because like when I Google bagworm, most of the stuff that comes up is like how to get rid of bagworms in your yard. Right. <laughs> So I was like, oh, I guess they're a major pest. Very interesting. So yeah, that's that's always kind of... uh, You can tell pretty much immediately when we're about to do an episode where we're covering a pest because those are most of the results I get when I'm researching. (laughs) Right. Well, thank you so much, Olivia. That was really, really interesting. And thanks everyone for listening. Please take a second to leave us a rating and review and don't forget to subscribe. And make sure to check out our Etsy shop. Tune in next week to learn more about the insects, fish, and fossils you can find in Animal Crossing New Horizons. Bye! Bye!